You are listening to the award-winning The Young Jerks with Mike Crawford. This is, this is Dave. This is Lorna's stepfather. Well, I was just uh, listening to your comments about the masks and whatnot, and I can't bring them up on my phone, but for a couple of weeks before she passed, she was messaging me work to where I work for, for uh, respirators. She's like, Dad, can you bring me home some respirators? And of course, you know, so, so obviously they weren't supplying them to her. I had to... I had to sneak them out of my shop to bring them to her. It's just a stupid little mask. You figure this is a multi-million dollar company, I would think, anyway. They're not giving their workers masks. She's begging me to steal masks from my shop. I'm a diesel mechanic for, for a local bus company, by the way. I'm a welder and fabricator. So, I have... Yeah, so, I mean, I have access mask. So I would sneak a couple home in my lunchbox and give them to Lorna. You know, so that's how that went. So I know they were I know they weren't getting her mask. I helped her mother raise this kid. I've known Lorna since she was four. Um she's called me dad her whole life. I'm I'm six feet away from Lorna's room. I mean Lorna's ashes are in a box just feet away from me. And I mean, I, I, she's here with me every day, and it's it's wicked tough. It's wicked tough. I mean, she shouldn't have gone out like that. All I know is she passed out at work, and she lost oxygen, and she she had a brain injury, and 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 she was dead. Like she went to work, and she and she didn't come home. Supposedly these are very dusty environments in these rooms. I, I mean, I've never been in one, but supposedly they're very dusty when they're processing this stuff. Welcome, we're live. Mike Crawford, Young Jerks. We're staying on this story. For Lorna and her family, uh, some people seem like they have forgotten about it or want to speak to the press about this story without actually having even listened to the family. So I figured we'd start and play it again. Kind of what started it all, that first night when Lorna's stepdad called in. I'm just going to keep playing it because I think people need to hear it. I think people need to hear what this friggin' family is going through and what cannabis workers and their loved ones are going through when no one gives a shit. No one gives a shit. We're the Young Jerks. we got a great show tonight, some great guests. I'm really excited. I'm going to bring up uh, both of them at the same time. I've already got some comments. Uh, I don't know where to start. I guess we'll start with the guests. It's easy. It's going to be fun. Let's put out some banners too so we can 
get things going. You can call in tonight if once we turn it turn on the uh, the phone line. But we'll put up that phone line right now. Our guest tonight we have Farmer Tom and Kristen Yoder. I hope I said the names right. Kristen Yoder. Really excited about these guests. They're first time guests. Uh, Kristen is uh, Bud for Blood. It's a great thing that she does. And also, she's got Cynical Stoner, which I love. I've started using the Cynical thing because it's like ma- a perfect match for our show here. I'm really – Chris. Uh, Kristen is amazing, too. Like, on LinkedIn, you got to see what she's doing. Uh, we're going to try to beg her to do all of our merchandising. You know, fuck the MSOs. Maybe that will be the number one mug. I don't know. We – we're going to be branding with her, hopefully. So we're going to bring her up, and we're going to bring up the other guest. Uh, he's got a lot to share with us, too. Farmer Tom. A lot of people know him already. He's got quite a following. Both of these folks have quite fo- big followings. Uh, Kristen has, like, over 30,000-plus people on LinkedIn alone. And I know Father Tom, uh, I said Farmer, Farmer Tom also does. He's got a big following in all kinds of different areas. Friends of mine uh, for decades and labor people, people that are involved in occupational safety and labor risk. And that's why we're having them on the show tonight. So I'm going to bring them both up right now. It's a great honor to bring them both up on the show. We got uh, the farmer, Tom, and we also have Kristen. Welcome to the show to both of you. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Mike. Honored to be on the show. Yeah, same. I'm excited about this tonight. Um, I guess we'll start with Kristen, ladies first. Uh, we usually do that on the show. Where do you, where, are you, uh, tell us about yourself. You can tell your, tell your story better than I can. Tell us about yourself. Sure. I've been in the cannabis industry in Los Angeles since 2005, so 17 years. And uh, I ran the first dispensary in the city of Los Angeles for five years. And then I learned to grow cannabis indoor and outdoor for two years um, before doing supply chain management, product development, R&D, and eventually operation management for one of the largest edible companies in California. And I did that for a few years um, and helped them open up a 501, uh, 501 um, up in Washington to open up an edible company up there um, as well. And then I did project management at an analytical testing lab who had just happened to create a terpene testing, um, a terpene education project. And uh, they're actually, that's the terpene kit that is used in the Gangier program um, and was made by my mentor, Jeffrey Raber. Um, so I was there for a year and then I just started teaching about terpenes since then because I felt I had to atone for my sins of selling cannabis by indica or sativa or hybrid while I was at the dispensary. Um, and, And then I started adding in how to bullshit detect cannabis marketing to the um, terpene class that I was teaching because they kind of go hand in hand. Um, And I created a podcast called The Cannabis Detector in 2018 because um, my saying was you can't spell cannabis without the BS. It's just a part of it. And I felt that there were so many 
passionate people with stars in their eyes that were just getting crushed as soon as they got into the industry because they thought it it would be profitable or fun or whatever. And honestly, it was like, well, no, you're going to go work in some startup um, craziness by very uh, charismatic people that don't know how to run businesses. You're probably going to take a pay cut. And if you don't love the plant, it's like not even worth it, you know? But I found that uh, after doing my podcast for a while, like it was so depressing to focus on all of the negativity and not having anyone listen to me. And um, then the pandemic happened and I burned out for my third time in cannabis, which people really need to understand, like protect yourselves because I mean, the story about Lorna is, I mean, it just goes to show you that there, this is capitalism. Like no one cares. You're a number and and even in cannabis. And so um, when I came back from the pandemic, I started putting my catchy sayings that people always told me I should put on stickers onto t-shirts and created Cynical Stoner, like my merch brand. And that was actually a domain I bought in 2008 and used as like a news aggregator for the people I met at my dispensary to try and educate themselves. Um, so it was cool to like, bring it back. Um, and then in January, I started hearing about a blood shortage and I was trying to find ways to combat my utter cynicism with like reality. And, um, and it hit me like, hello, Doug, go donate blood. And once I did, um, I said something on LinkedIn and Bill Levers from Beard Bros was like, I thought cannabis meant you were ineligible to donate blood. And it hit me that I bet all cannabis consumers assume that. And that is absolutely not the case. They don't even ask about cannabis. They don't care. And looking at cannabis consumer demographics, they're just like the perfect donor pool. They're more altruistic. They're kinder than non-consumers. They're younger. They're more educated. They're more pro-social. And over the summer, I got uh, 59 people to donate blood, and every single one of them said that they would donate again, and many have. And according to blood industry professionals, that's like unheard of. So it kind of went from like a campaign to combat my cynicism to like my utter obsession to like activate all of the cannabis consumers of the world to go become regular blood donors because it wasn't just the pandemic canceling blood drives that screwed us up. It's the fact that our blood supply has been propped up by older generations that were taught to donate blood during times of war and they never stopped and they became regular donors, but they're aging out. And at this point, every time we have a natural disaster like a hurricane or heat wave, it impacts the blood supply across the country and I know the cannabis consumers, there's so many of us, and we're literally everywhere. Um, everyone enjoys donating. Like, it just feels good. It feels like in a chaotic world where everything's fucked up late stage capitalism, that we have a way to save lives. So, um, yeah, that's, I've, it's been 17 years. It's kind of a long story, but that's my intro. Thank you so much, Kristen. Now, this Bud for Blood, I see you promoting it right now on yeah. your LinkedIn. You have a lot of followers on there. Um, 
you actually like reward people for giving blood, right? You give them like yeah, a t-shirt so and stuff. Yeah, so I send, I, I, because I have a t-shirt company, thought it would be cool to send a free hemp t-shirt, but not just like any hemp t-shirt, like a really quality one to represent our our industry and to be a shirt someone wants to wear more than once instead of like a heavy shirt that sucks. Um, and so, yeah, I, I got a hundred t-shirts. I've sent out 93 so far to the donors, the sponsors and blood industry people that I've made friends with. Um, and it's really cool because I get these selfies in their t-shirts all the time and it just makes me feel so happy. And it's the first time I've been involved on like a team of people with like minds and it's just been really heartening in a crazy time. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much for yeah, sharing and you. doing that. And, and you got seven more shirts left. You can, people can. Oh, and I'm getting more where I'm getting sp uh, sponsors for the fall. So every season I'll have a new design and a new t-shirt available for donors. And all people have to do to get it is Go donate blood and take a donor selfie and then go to budforblood.com. And if you click on the red banner at the top of the homepage, it'll take you to the donor application and you just submit your info and your selfie. And then I'll send you a free t-shirt if you're in the U.S. Awesome. Budforblood.com. That's awesome. Yeah. And, yes. And we also have uh, another great guest tonight who's and like a, he's a farmer. He's an educator. He's a pioneer. I mean, this man has uh, been the first one to like bring the occupational federal government scientist in to look at cannabis, to help cannabis workers. Like we're, we're talking about the risk for cannabis workers. We're really excited to have you tonight, Barbara Tom. Tell, tell us about yourself. Thanks, Mike. Well, shoot, I've been in this industry, in this space for like a long time, over 25 years. I first started out when I was a kid, landscaping, so that kind of introduced me into growing, started growing in my teens. Um, we, you know, I fought for Proposition 215 in California in 1995. Um, in 97, our collective, Shelter from the Storm, was formed um, down there in San Diego. Um, we had... Well, the way the the way it worked was you bought a light, you paid 50 bucks, and it was an honor system. You got to take whatever you want. So I was a lead grower there, and we would hang the plants up, put a Sharpie on the table, leave some baggies, and let the patients come in and take what they wanted. And then this went on for a few years. It was really great experience and a great way to make sure we are all taken care of. You know, Shelter from the Storm, the Bob Dylan song, we thought – us together, we were definitely more powerful than uh, individuals out there flopping around. You know, as soon as legalization or medical legalization happened in, in California, um, you know, people were calling the police and saying, hey, we're growing, and they were raiding them. And we saw the writing on the wall, and there was a need for uh, a true collective um, that wasn't all about the money. So uh, we got we got we got raided in 1999, where uh, me and Steve McWilliams got arrested for 448 plants, and uh, that's where I met my current partner Paula. She was the hero of the day. She pretty much she saved my life. Uh, you know, back then, the only way we got could get out of trouble was inviting the media in. 
So we all had media lists. And if any of us got in trouble, the first things we were told to do is get on our media list and uh, start, you know, paging all the all of the news people and getting them down there as quick as possible. Well, she was on the phone. She got them all down there, ABC, NBC, CBS, uh, you know, Fox News out of Tijuana back then. And uh, the, the sheriff got, I mean, the sergeant got pissed off and decided to bust us. They told me, you know, you can leave. We really don't want you. We want Steve. And I thought, well, we just voted this in and I'm going to stick with the patient. So, no, I ain't going anywhere. So they arrested Steve and I. And we were all over the news for months. Um, we were really active in in cannabis and cannabis scene in San Diego. We would go to the town council meetings with our four inch pots and our little plants and get up there and tell them how safe we were. Well, the next opportunity that we had uh, to go to the town council meeting, we all went to the town council meeting again. We had Michael, our quadriplegic, and all of the patients with their with their plants, and we, you know, we asked them what happened. Why did you, you know? And the mayor couldn't come out of her office. You know, they gave us all of our growing equipment back. I built uh, in Michael Bartelmo's living room, in his one bedroom living room in Hillcrest. I built a little grow room, a little ten, you know, eight by ten grow room there, and. Uh, other advocates from around the county were giving us plants, so we grew them out there. Michael called the chief of police and asked him if they were going to bust them. He said, oh, Michael, don't worry about that. So that that went on, and, uh, you know, actually the result of our arrest, they started the first medical marijuana task force in San Diego where they had law officials, uh, laws, officials, lawyers, uh advocates, doctors, everybody in, in, in one room together talking about how they were going to deal with cannabis. It's, it's pretty interesting. San Diego was so anti-medical marijuana, but as soon as the money came in and legal, there's a, there's a rec store in every corner now down there. So it's interesting how money changes everything, you know, same in, uh, you know, my hometown where I live now in Vancouver, Washington, there's a rec store in every corner and they, weren't so happy about medical marijuana down here. So, um, you know, I became super active. Um, I worked at, we moved from San Diego in 2001. We moved to Williams, Oregon, where we lived for a couple years. Now, Williams, Oregon is the Garberville of Oregon cannabis. It's stuck out in a valley at the end of the valley and there's a lot of great growers down there and a lot of great product comes from down there. So uh, we were there for a couple years. Uh, work was hard to get. And so we moved to Portland where I uh, worked at uh, Pacifica Beauty. Uh, we were making candles back there, body butter, soap and that kind of stuff. And I ended up uh, after a year or so, I ended up being director of manufacturing along with my uh, partner Colin Rich, who was an, another director of manufacturing, and we looked over all the workplace health and safety. I, I ran the the OSHA program there, so I'm real familiar with everything OSHA and all the OSHA things that go along with it, uh, the lockouts and the walkthroughs, and um, you know just all the stuff that goes on with the OSHA program. And uh, so, and I learned about branding and marketing there too. So. When I left Pacifica, 
it just got too big and I had worked, I knew too much and they just wanted to, they, you know, gave me a nice severance package and let me go on my way. And then I, you know, was still into cannabis. And so I started showing up uh, at the medical marijuana farmers markets here in Washington uh, with my product. I started going to the state um, advocating for the plan on all levels. And it's interesting in the beginning, right after legalization, they really did want legalization, but it's made the state of Washington so much money that they'll never give it up. They will right. go down kicking and screaming oh, and yeah. crying before they made billions of dollars so far in tax revenue, which is crazy. And that's why Washington state is the model for all, all, um, you know, legalized cannabis operations across the country. So that kind of led from one thing to another. The media really picked up on me. I became a media darling. I've been on uh, Squawk Box, NBC Nightly News, uh, Como News a bunch of times. I was featured on the front page of uh, the Columbia newspaper here in, in my hometown. And uh, so at, I think it was 2014, the slate legislator was trying to make up their minds about concentrates. And Matt Markovich called me and said, hey, Tom, you know, there's all these explosions going on around the state. People are blowing themselves up and these houses are blowing up. And uh, would you do uh, open blast for me? Now, open blast is the old school way of making BHO, where you basically take a glass cylinder, put a coffee filter on the end of it, get a can of butane, fill the glass tube with, with your product, blow it out into some Pyrex and, and let it dry. Well, people were doing it in their garages and garages were blowing up and people were dying and there was a lot of destruction and they really wanted to put focus on, on that. And the legislature was in process trying to make the rules and regulations. Well, the legislators, they really don't know too much. It's really our job to educate them about cannabis because they really have no idea what's going on. So I told Matt, yeah, we'll do the open blast, but I want to give you like a three-hour symposium on everything concentrates. I really want to educate the legislators and I want to educate the public. I want to educate everybody on why people are blowing themselves up and then um, give you options on how to do it safer. And so I brought in all the top guys, it's always not me, you know, whenever I have these opportunities, I'm out, I'm the guy out there going, all right, Jonah Tacoma, you're the dab, dab star guy. And farmer Joe Parker, you're the blow, you're, you're, you know, you're a BHO expert and Joe Wynn, you're like the best open blaster around. So I brought all these people together and we brought the news media in and we put on a three hour symposium all about concentrates really to educate that. And at that time, Washington state, they were going to only put concentrates in edibles because of all the explosions. And my thing was, I, first of all, I made all those guys take off their big hats, no big hats allowed. If you're going to be a part of this thing, the big hats got to go. We got to come in as professional as possible and show educate them and show them the right way to do it. So we did, like I said, we did the open blast outside. We did, uh, Farmer Joe Parker did the closed loop. Uh, we had, like I said, we had Joe Wynn out there doing the blasting. We did CO2 and we talked to him about uh, solventless hash, bubble hash, ice hash, and the process that it made it. But our main point that I pressed that everybody talk about, if you don't regulate it, 
and tax it, people will continue to blow up. People will die. Houses will be destroyed. And we really have to get behind safety in this industry. If you make it only in edibles, there's so much product out there. People are going to continue to do this unsafe practice, which we've seen time and time again, all the harm that it does. So uh, the, the piece went out. The legislators uh, saw it. They listened to us and they changed their minds. And, you know, not once Washington changed their minds on concentrates, all of the other states that come after followed along with them. So, um, and then the union uh, saw the work that I did there and they asked me if I wanted to be a part of this health hazard evaluation. They thought that me and my wife were the perfect candidates. Um, we've been longtime advocates of the plant. We live this back to the lander lifestyle. We grow our own food, we grow our own cannabis. Um, we, you know, we're doing medical back then at the farmer's markets all the time. And I said, sure. So I got on the phone with uh, 10 agents from the CDC and we were, started talking and I asked them, well, where are you getting your information? They said, oh, YouTube, you know, we're getting it all from YouTube. I said, well, that's really not fair to our industry. How about if you come down and we give you a tour of the industry? So I set up this big tour, going to different grows and going to processing facilities and manufacturers of equipment. And I presented it to them and they said, no way. And we can't have our agents going all these different places. But what we can do is make your farm a secure location where federal agents can learn, touch and study cannabis, which they've had, they have done here. So uh, in August, of uh, 2015, we had them on our farm for two days. Again, I brought in all the experts in BHO and uh, concentrate processing, testing facilities, uh, different types of equipment, all of that, and we educated them. Not only did we educate them on the processes, you know, I wanted to break the stigma of cannabis. So we smoked in front of them and we showed them that people can smoke and function as regular human beings while consuming cannabis, which was really super important to me since I've really been into normalizing cannabis. That's been my deal. Cannabis normalization and getting the stigma away from cannabis has been my life goal since I was a kid. And that and making it uh, available so people can go to the store and, and, and pick it up. Because when I was growing up, we used to have to wait for the guy with the toolbox to show up, you know, and you could be waiting for freaking hours, you know, oh, and I was a surfer and a skateboarder and we, we had stuff to do. We had waves to catch and skateboard ditches to skate and all these, you know, and when it was raining golf courses, to golf on, we had active lifestyles and cannabis was a huge part of it. So, um, you know, they came for the education part. And then they came for uh, the actual HHE. It's a health hazard evaluation that uh, the union guys put together. So they came to our farm for three days. Uh, the first day we did harvesting and big leafing. The second day we did bucking. And the third day we did trimming. So we did a lot of hand trimming. They hooked us up with the cyber glove to track repetitive motion. Um, after the study, even before the study came out, I believe that the CDC came out and said that trimming could cause carpal tunnel. Well, they got that data from our farm. 
So it took a long time for it to go through a couple of administrations, voting going on. Finally, it was published in 2017. And uh, yeah, that's the work I've done with the guys from NIOSH. They, be, they, they became friends of mine through the whole thing. So these are the NIOSH scientists that write the reports and the studies that OSHA uses to, uh, to, create, st to create standards to make the rules. So I've uh, been super, my, super proud of my work. Um, and, you know, since then, I really didn't want to jump into the whole thing because we knew it was going to be a race to the bottom, that these large corporations were going to come in with all this money, have like, you know, three to four years of losing money to drive everybody else out of the business, produce way too much cannabis, drive the price to the ground and get rid of all the competition. So we've seen it happen. So I just kind of uh, been treading water since then. Um, I do a lot of uh, consulting for grower operations and workplace health and safety things. And I've worked with foreign governments and, it, you know, the work with the federal agency has really opened up a huge amount of opportunities for me, which I'm super appreciative. Yeah, those are pictures. That's a picture of my grow. The, uh, that was a and b Yeah, th that picture right there, they were tracking for repetitive motion. Uh, there's the cyber glove there and the computer that documented all, all of the work. Uh, that was one of our uh, trim station pros that we had there. Um, and that was the final process where we're vacuum sealing the product. These little sniffers you see around, um, they, there's me and my wife, Paula. So it's, uh, it's, it's been a great, it's been a really great experience. Um, I, you know, I'm super passionate about cannabis, still, uh, treading water out there to see, you know, when and if I want to make my move into the industry. But now I'm kind of sticking to, uh, you know, where my specialty is, place health and safety after doing, um, the work at Pacific Beauty for years, um, working on their workplace health and safety program and then working with the uh, NIOSH officials and really learning, getting up to date on cannabis uh, production and processing. Um, I, I think this is where my home is. And for the time being, uh, my, my goal, you know, I'm just going to keep on educating people on safe practices, on things they need to do. Um, you know, this is kind of in my blood. My grandfather was on the first uh, safety commission where they use pictographs. Those are little posters out there, you know, wear your goggles, don't lose your eyes type of deal or lose your eyes. Um, and, you know, there's so much, there's so much to it, but we can go into it later. I've kind of got well, to. I want to get into the study because you, you, sure. you had this NIOSH study come in. What did you find? Because there, there were results on this that I think are very interesting. It's been out there. Well, I don't think most people know about this. This is for outdoor hemp that you that they were studying. No, it was outdoor cannabis. It was at outdoor our medical cannabis. grow. Uh, it was it was THC, and um, you know they came there to watch the the harvesting process. Like I said, the first day we harvested the plants, uh, big leaf the plants, and then hung them up. The second day, I had product ready that was already dry. That we buck for them all day. Was, they probably bored to tears on seeing all the different ways we could buck. But that would that was the second day, and then on the third day, uh, like I said, we did trimming. The results they found us, but a, a, they found THC on every surface. 
They talk about this a lot. It's It was one of their highlights, every surface they swiped. So we all were hooked up with sniffers, two different types of sniffers, and uh, they did wiping and, um, you know, surface testing all around the farm. Um, they called me an organic farm because of the, the work that we did, um, you know, the, the kind of growing that we did. They asked if they could take soil samples. I said, sure, have at it. Can we see the nutrients they use? They could see all the nutrients were or may approved or certified organic products. Uh, we talked about composting and, you know, my roots and landscape. That's what we used back in the day. I mean, that was our deal. We took the regular soil out of the ground. We mixed a bunch of compost in. We planted the plants and they took off. So that's where where my roots are. And I just kind of stuck with it. I really never read any books. You know, sorry to my friend Ed and uh, my other friends out there, Jorge, who uh, who have great books out there. But I, I always kind of thought I'd just do it my own way and figure it out myself, you know, every environment's different, um, you know, so you got to get used to your environment and take what you got and use what you have and, and grow from there. So, uh, you know, we did this, we did this for, for years. So as far as uh, the results they found, they found some botrytis on the property, uh, which is really prevalent up here in the Pacific Northwest. The botrytis grows on the, grows on the blackberries and it's basically mold. And then the insects like bees and stuff take it to the plants and then it, it ends up on the plants and it, it, it rapidly can destroy a plant pretty quickly. So the first sign of any botrytis here on the farm, the plant comes down. It's usually a limp leaf that gives the first signal. As soon as that first link, lift, a limp leaf happens, the whole plant comes down. So, um, yeah, as far as the study goes, um, every state uses it as soon as they come on board. It's the first place they looked. Uh, Washington looked at it. They called me and talked to me, and then they created their own set of, of standards here in Washington for workplace health and safety. And um, it's uh, pretty prevalent out there. And I think that we're seeing all kinds of issues, especially with Lorna and stuff, with dust. Um, you know, cleanliness is the place to start when you're dealing with the facility. Uh, when I worked at Pacifica, we left the last half hour every day so the employees could make the whole facility. We had up to 120 employees at times, make the whole facility crystal clean, perfectly clean. So the next morning when they came in, they came into a good environment. You know, cleanliness is the, is the key to workplace health and safety. It's the best place to start. Um, I've worked in a lot of different unsafe environments. I've seen them before. You go into these grow facilities, these large hemp processing facilities, and they're disasters. I've seen um, at these large processing facilities all kinds of irritants through that are that are in the air that have affected people and their lungs and their and they've gotten sick from being in there. Um, these are, you know, the early pioneer days of, of, of large-scale cannabis. And so, you know, we recognized the problems and everybody started wearing masks. You know, uh, N95s are a really great mask to start off with, but it all depends on you need to do some testing and find out what the concentration levels are in the area. And then once you know the concentration levels in the area, you can either use an N95 or there's some different types of other upgraded respirators that can be used. 
But uh, when you're in a closed environment doing trimming, you know, especially if you're grinding in that area, uh, Futurola makes this uh, nylon wisp grinders where you stuff it all, all the product in there and it grinds it all up. Well, there's a huge amount of dust that comes out of there. And people definitely need to be wearing some sort of PPE to protect themselves against these these things that go on. And, you know, there's so much more to it. You know, dust is a huge deal. I know we're talking about dust uh, because of Lorna, and I really feel sorry for her family and everything they've gone through. And these companies claiming that they're uh, this is a new industry and don't pick on us. Well, that's a bunch of B BS. They should be doing good manufacturing practices and they should be abiding to, to o basic OSHA standards like safety meetings and, uh, you know, walk general walkthroughs with the employees. Uh, there's definitely, you gotta be prepared for OSHA, uh, for emergencies. You gotta, you know, have evacuation policies. There's all these things, you know, we're, and hopefully, Lorna will be remembered for bringing workplace health and safety up to the forefront and be in front of people's eyes to actually see what goes on in these long, uh, these large operations. If this company is a billion dollar a year company and, and, you know, God knows what the, what the executives are, are making in these, in these operations, we really need to take some of that money from them and really work on workplace health and safety. Massachusetts is a science-based community and studies. They do all kinds of research there. And I think they really need to take the reins and create their own standards, bring in trained professionals that have actually been working in the cannabis industry. What happens with these uh, multi-state operators? They bring in all these professionals from all these other industries and they have no idea what's going on in the cannabis space. None whatsoever. They're totally blind to it all. And all they're concerned about is making money at the employee's cost. This profits over people thing has been going on for a long time. We see it all over the place. And, um, you know, California has mandatory OSHA training. I think Massachusetts needs to get ahead of the curve and bring in professionals like myself to actually educate them and get them up to speed on proper PPE and workplace health and safety procedures that need to be done in the cannabis industry to make it a safe working place for everybody. If I can, if I can say something, um, the companies don't care. And then until they have to pay for it. And that's just a fact. Uh, I think that's the thing that I have found the most um, inspiring with Chris Smalls and the Amazon labor union is all it took was him caring about the employee's safety himself as an individual to talk like an entire group of people into defeating the first Amazon warehouse. And that is insane. And I mean, I just feel like before federal legalization happens, we need to like make one of these companies the example that it scares the financial crap out of these other companies. And I have I've had a goal to create a whistleblowing course uh, for cannabis employees on exactly how to build a case based on the egregious things they see that impact safety specifically, like obviously all of these companies 
you know, I'm not trying to create like a bunch of snitches taking down every bad guy. Like this is about safety because I had a friend have a heart attack at an MSO's cultivation because he was exposed to detritus so much without PPE. And then they wanted to package and sell this like moldy stuff to patients and they forged the lab test results and he had a heart attack on the grounds and then they fired him for hours before he would have gotten paid medical leave and it's like he almost died and when i heard about that i'm like we have to empower the employees because it's scary i've only been an employee and when you're seeing this kind of thing like i mean no one makes enough money to get a lawyer to represent themselves like i don't no one knows how to do that but i feel that if the companies knew their employees were getting educated and the employees were getting educated because even the state of Colorado has its own whistleblowing part of their medical cannabis or their cannabis regulations in general. And I've been very curious to know how effective that's been because we should be protecting these people to step forward because where my friend had a heart attack, that was in a medical state. They were selling moldy stuff to medical patients. Like, I mean, if we don't, empower people from the inside. I worry that the fact that all of our politicians are essentially fee-based for their corporations, that it, it doesn't matter about safety. Like cannabis isn't illegal because it's dangerous. It's strictly how can they get the most out of it and what is it competing with, et cetera. But I just feel like we're in some vicious late stage capitalism and cannabis is a plant and plants get commodified and exploited. And one other thing that I'd like to bring up is that um, I think like five years ago, I read a report in The Guardian that had said that farmers had the highest suicide rate of all vocations, but you couldn't tell the real numbers because many would stage accidents. So their family got life insurance to bail them out of debt. And it made me think, if that's conventional farmers who have subsidies and can go to the government for help, how would cannabis growers be handling all of these insane regulations or um, or not being able to grow legally after legalization passes because their community decided not to regulate it, et cetera? And I don't think that people understand like how brutal it can be for the farmers in the cannabis industry specifically and regulators don't give a fuck you know like what are we supposed to do um because just like farmer tom you're like um epic hero like i'm very honored to be on here with you because a lot of your work is so important and i just like cannabis is a plant there are other plants that are processed indoors and other people have like we don't have to reinvent the wheel on any of this it's like these companies know what they should be doing they're just not inspired to do it and they never have been and that's the problem like how do you, that's a leadership problem is it not and like yeah, what do we do yeah, as far as farmers go, farmers get paid nothing. They always get yeah. the least of the least. They traditionally around the world, uh, the reason they they're they're committing suicide 
is because is because of they're not making any money and their growing conditions are horrible and these big corporations have come in they push these gmo seeds on them they don't work in their area their crops failing they're not being able to support their families i understand that but let's get back to the employees now we're in a brand new industry it's cannabis it's got like all these bells and whistles. All these kids are super excited. Oh man, we want to be on the ground floor. We want to get in there and, and do this. So first of all, they're going to work for less money. They're not going to expect more money. Chances of them complaining to to their elders and, and, and to the bosses there are slim to none because they don't want to get fired, man. They want to be on the ground for this emerging industry. So there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of feedback coming from these employees that yeah things are bad but are they really going to speak out at what risk and at what cost you know there's a whole lot of questions going on there so i think the states need to take it upon themselves to create their own workplace health and safety standards california's done it i think washington has done it too they need to get on the ground floor create these standards bring them trained professionals who have experience in the cannabis industry and, and teach them the right way that it's done because we can see a lot of things that they would never even look at. And because we've been in the industry for so long and we've seen it grow and we've seen all the problems firsthand where they've never seen any of them. Sure, they got a good education from some college, but have they really had boots on the ground education, really seeing the problems and the issues and the health, can, the health hazards that so many of these things have, can cause? So, um, yeah, it's going to be a tough nut to crack to get employees to I'm all for you and support you in that in that work. But it's going to be tough. You know, they'll work for nothing oh, to get hard. into this. I know. Uh, and, for- and that's how people get exploited. And and that's the it's just I don't know anything about unions, but I really think that they are necessary in this industry because people are willing to work for less. But will they support i've seen it's actually been like a 50 50 when i've pulled my followers like on all my connections and that surprises me because these companies don't treat the employees well they're not happy places to work at and um i don't know i think people expect them to be and when they're not now i have like there's so many cynical people they're not it wasn't always that way, but every year there's more and more people that are burnt right. out from campus. Oh, big time. I see that, that all the time now. Yeah, it's, like, the, the citizen. that sucks, dude. That yeah, sucks. I, I don't know. There's an opportunity there, though, because if you, if you, I you know, think you, it's you can only fall people. for the trick so many times. You know, uh, we got a number of comments here, too, like a uh, number of comments. I just want to read some of them. Uh, uh, this is from Donna Hackett. She says, "In your podcast, Heroes are Green." She was, she was, uh, she loves Farmer Tom. Um, she calls him a rock star. We also had some other comments. Uh, this is something I've been Donna's talking about. Donna's the rock star. Yeah, right. you know, I've been I've been doing this podcast. I started up. I've been front loading. It's called Farmer Tom Cast Heroes of the Green, and they're all of my heroes. They might not be everybody's heroes, but these are my heroes. The people behind the scenes, the people that did all the work, and and on my podcast, I let them tell their whole story, totally interrupted. I've done fifty of them so far. I've got like thirty more lined up, and another thirty people like banging on the door, wanting to be a part of it. And Donna Hackett on the East Coast, her and Farmer Ellen Brown, man, two 
just amazing people are still doing really quality work back there. And my hands hats off to Donna Hackett and Ellen Brown. I I'm, love you. Yeah, I've, Donna is amazing. She was uh, busted by the police way back in the day and she was legal and she won uh, her son was growing for her. i wrote a story about her back in the day and i gave it her, her an award too and she definitely deserves it she's like the og i love donna uh she's a rock star i should um meet her or get connected with her yes um, you should east coast, right i mean yeah. we're east coast people awesome she, she may call in too like the other thing she's like we call her now our number one caller like she <laughs> she calls into the show and like even when she goes after we had a republican on here recently and she went after him because she's not a republican of course nice. and he was like like even though she went after him and she he's like i love her i love her he was like he really liked that was his favorite call of the night was donna even though she was probably his most difficult call of the night it was pretty interesting uh, we got another comment. Uh, nice to see you have an experienced grower on the show. Are you still involved in Oregon? You were on the same cannabis calendar we were on this year in Oregon. That's from Trent. Asking you, Tom, if you're still in Oregon. Well, I live on the border of Oregon, Washington, in Vancouver, uh, Washington. And, uh, yeah, I traveled down. I've been really a part of the Oregon scene down there, California scene, the Washington scene. Um you know, I've done a lot of, I've been working in Louisiana and Mississippi, uh, you know, so I'm kind of all over the place, but yeah, Oregon, it's right there. I've spent a lot of time down there. We're getting ready for the Oregon Growers Cup down there, the longest running uh, cannabis cup in, in Oregon. And uh, yeah, we're getting ready to do the judging here soon in a couple of weeks. So yeah, I'm all about Oregon and uh you know, they, their program, their medical program just got devastated down here. And their medical program actually made a lot of money for the state. But these big, these big time operators, man, you know, with all that extra money, they're drive, flooding the market with product, driving the prices down and wiping out all these great growers and these mom and pop operations that operations that had such aspirations of really making it and making a difference in the in the cannabis industry and them coming in and just wiping it all out i mean i i was lucky i was hanging around with all these really super smart people dr dominic corva and jim mcgray and like all these really brilliant people and they were they read the writing on the wall dead on and uh you know i i, I listened to them you know, I didn't, everybody's all, farmer, you're not really a farmer, man. You don't got a rec girl. And I'm all like, whatever, dude, we'll see how long you last. And uh, yeah, most of them, most of them are gone. The it good happened, the and the ugly. <laughs> it happens in every single state. It's like, why doesn't anybody freaking learn ever? You know, like California was incredibly, insanely frustrating because they did a speaking tour and they had regulators from other states come in and they had, I mean, my God, like it took forever. And it was like, why, why, why are you guys opposed to learning from other people's lessons? Like, it's the same situation. It, I don't know why, dude. I really, I don't understand. That's why I think that people like Farmer Tom are like freaking angels because I don't have the stomach to deal with these idiot bureaucrats. Like, I don't know how you guys stomach it for so long, but thanks to you, like we get progress because it's frustrating to be like, you know, sometimes it seems like they lack 
logic, but there's no lack of experts trying to teach them. That's never been a problem. It's just they don't listen or I don't know. I don't know what that is. I think I think uh, my experience is they always think the money is the smartest in the room. Like if they, it's like money yeah. trumps everything. They think money in, equals intelligence. That's my that's my my experience. Well, I've been to just about MJ every MJ BizCon that's ever been, and in like 2016, I was sitting down, just sitting minding my own business, and these suits walked by, and they're going, "Yeah, we're going to widgetize cannabis. We're going to show all these." lazy stoners how how to grow cannabis and how it's done and and all we've seen is that nosedive tank you know we've had uh, too much pot nbc squawk box came to my farm and jane well spent three two days on my farm uh talking to me um about too much cannabis and you know she put my branded cannabis with my face on it you know, across the world, my cousin called me from England where he works on the stock exchange. He said, dude, you're blowing up over here. And, uh, but anyways, yeah, there's the too much pot thing's been going on since, uh, since the first days of legalized cannabis. So it's, it's interesting to see, uh, how it goes from state to state to state to state. And, uh, you know, how these big, big multi-state operators are just ruining, ruin the industry for everybody. You know, it's a, it's a typical move, business move. You know, you these big money places like there's huge grocery stores around, supermarkets around that, you know, have driven all drop their prices to the ground, drive everybody out of business. And then as soon as everybody's out of business, raise their prices to where everybody's else at. And they're doing the same thing in the can cannabis industry. And it's a shame. And uh, state should really stick up for it the small growers and the mom and pops, because we're the people who did all the work. Donna Hackett and me and all my friends, we were the ones at the state capitol. We were the ones dealing with the legislators. We were there all the time. We were the ones that were making the difference. And we we built this industry and they came in, they, they're stealing it away. They literally are stealing it away from me. I mean, from the fact like that John Boehner was keynoting MJ Biz, et cetera, was just so freaking disgusting. Like acreage to me personally was like the worst of the worst because it was all these politicians who never supported cannabis until, until it was safe for them to come in and exploit it. And they have the, um, <coughs> excuse me, they have the growth for the sake of growth approach where it's just M&A, M&A. And it's like some Enron thing where if you don't have a solid foundation and all you're doing is getting these companies and every single one of those companies has so many regulations and issues that are going on that they're not looking at the inside of like the employees and any of that. And it always blows up. It blew up in Canada that I just don't understand why people don't learn the lesson. And but this is America. So we're going to go through it. It's happening now. And it's hard not to be cynical. And it's and it just sucks. Like it. That's why I make t shirts. And I'm focused on doing blood donations, because I, I can't stomach where the industry is going. Like it wasn't what we fought for, dude. And like who even lasts in it? Like I'm strictly in the industry 
for spite like you i'll be damned before i leave dude like i'm here forever i'm gonna make t-shirts like mso survivor and you know like whatever and talk crap all the time because i don't know what else to do in the industry anymore i don't like it you know let me let me let me bring this back we we no, we got a uh, donna hackett has been trying to call in donna call back in a couple let me just bring something up Donna, call back in a couple seconds. We're going to set up the uh, the phone line so you can call back and we'll get you through. But I want to bring this back to local politics because this is about what's going on with Lorner. And in my experience, I, nobody has talked to, I don't think, any more politicians than myself, uh, like even live on the show um, in Massachusetts, and like on cannabis, like I'm the guy for the live shows. And we, we have a, a situation right now in Massachusetts where a lot of these politicians weren't for cannabis when we were passing initiatives. We knew it was going to pass. They they did think it would pass. Every initiative passed. We legalized it. We did decrib medical legal. Now they're all on board. They've taken donations. Uh, I'm a Democrat. Basically, I support these Democrats. We have a local Holyoke City Council. We have the Cannabis Control Commission in Massachusetts. These are Democrats. They're now not wanting to attack anything on cannabis, and that includes looking at health and safety. Um, there's yeah. resistance for, on the Holyoke City Council to do any new investigations, to do any new thing for employees on the Holyoke City Board. They're Democrats. Sounds like MSO funding. Yeah, the, the one person who supports like the employees is a Trumper. Mm, that's like, that's like the <laughs> Yeah, it's like the antithesis of what I am. And it's like, that's how messed up we are in Massachusetts. How do that's we fix everywhere. a situation like this? How do we fix that? Like, how, Tom, how do we get through that log jam? Where, you know, they, they're looking at me like, you got your way, Mike. What are you complaining about now? Like, that's the way they're looking at me because, like, we won. They know we won. And now they're like, what are you doing? Like, they don't get it. Like, we have to educate them. It's very difficult. How do we get through that kind of log jam where, can you, know, you? Can you? Well, I, Lauren I is, Lauren is, Lauren's uh, death here has really given us the perfect place to start. And it all starts with education. And we really need to get the CCC there in Massachusetts to pick up the ball, create their own regulations, and have their own for, uh, enforcers out there. If they think OSHA is going to come out all of the time, the federal government's too busy. These OSHA guys are way too busy to go to all these places and inspect all these facilities. What they really need is inspectors who really know cannabis and are, um, you know, have been a part of the industry to to show them the way. And then the state and the the CCC really needs to know that you know they're not they're not investing in this and they would need to show the public that they're not spending all this time and effort and energy investing in a in a corrupt industry that only cares about money and profit and uh, profits over the people uh, which is it's horrendous it's like uh, it's it, they should be ashamed of themselves at this point so education is the key to everything we found that out over the years uh, with BHO uh, here in the state of Washington, and uh, we need to get out there and do more educating, and you need to to force these uh, government officials and um, these cannabis control committees to do the work, put the money in. They're all making plenty of money. They can afford to hire a guy like me or 
anybody that has qualifications and show them the right way that's to do it and help them create their own standards and then send out, have people tr trained to go out and inspect these facilities to make sure they're safe for the workers. You know, uh, Massachusetts always been a big state for the workers and it, it's, it's hard to look at to see that right I now. Thought it was. Really you know, I not thought it was. That's what's caring. disgusting to me. It's like, you think it is, but then it seems like it's not. The we, East we have, Coast is no, very yeah. conservative. So yeah. when it comes to cannabis employees, I mean, it just yeah. took California until this year to stop holding cannabis use against employees in the state. And we've had medical cannabis since 1996. Right. And you guys, like on the East Coast, are way Decade far behind. behind. Yeah. So I think even though they're employees, and that's what I hate. It's a plant. Like, stop treating it like something else like the thing everything exists already stop making it difficult like the government wants to spend money to study things instead of just getting the freaking information from people who've already studied it and so i wish that employees had the same i wish cannabis companies had the same representation considering how much tax they pay um but they that's just being cannabis it's like it makes everything harder for everyone we got yeah, you got to get the union, you got to get the unions in there fighting for like the UFCW. You got to get these guys in there fighting for workers' rights. They're you know they really care about workers and they always have, and uh, you know they know how to play the the government game. They know how to get these politicians to do the right things, and uh, you know it's it's on the state's back that you know there's blood on their hands now and. Uh, you know, I'd really like to see Massachusetts, you know, take the torch and get ahead of the curve and and make things right on the East Coast, especially for the workers out there. We got a phone call. We got Donna Hackett on the line. Donna, what do you got for us? <laughs> Hi, Tom. <laughs> Hi, Mikey. Um, nice to meet you, Kristen. Um, I, I, first off, I want to start off with... Um, everybody's um, hearts tonight. We're the, a group of people who ha still have can of heart and we still think of it as a can of community and can of family. And we all knew this was going to happen. I mean, five years, six years ago, I held a sign of the governor of my state dressed up as the witch from the wizard of Oz. And she was saying, I'll get you and your little plants too. And it had a little pot plant because she was taxing and tagging patients' plants. We all knew that this was coming. Rhode Island didn't know how to do uh, step up to legalization, so they took it out on the patients and they they tagged and taxed plants and tried the entire system of how you regulate cannabis out on patients, and it was dreadful. And but what I'm hearing tonight is hope because y'all have fire in your belly and, and, and everybody who knows me, my fire never goes out. I could talk about cannabis all night, all day. That's all I want to do is smoke it, consume it and speak about it. But uh, what really upsets me is people aren't listening as much because we're not connecting like we used to. I was on Moms for Marijuana, Parents for Pot. We had big organizations of like-minded people 
when a topic or um, something that was wrong, somebody was wronged by big business or, or the community or anything, we would get a hold of that like a, a den of mother tigers and rip that topic apart. And before the next day, it would be passed through the internet and, uh, you know, people would be like, did you hear about this? And, and we changed, we changed the entire way cannabis was viewed with that kind of connectivity. We don't have that anymore. And you know what? We all should be educating people more and it should be paid for by the states that are legal because in the, the money that they get from taxing the plant, part, part of it is supposed to go back to education. And then nothing has been done in Massachusetts, nothing to show the benefits, to educate people on how high functioning people are on cannabis, to change the perceptions of the few pe- the people that still think of it as negatively they do. And, and I really blame our community for that. Like everybody's so busy trying to find their slot in the uh, commercial world that they've totally, totally left their roots to just rot. Like, I gotta say, like, this is what Bud for Blood is so freaking genius about because the whole thing is like just getting all of the cannabis companies to start getting their consumers to donate blood. And it's not about, it's not literally weed for blood donations. It's a hemp t-shirt because I'm trying to show that we are not always shoving cannabis down people's throats. We are active community members. We are saving lives. Like we are more than tax revenue. We are your neighbors and we are happy blood donors that are freaking necessary. And even if the blood banks don't want our help, that's cool. I came up with the way for all of these local community um, dispensaries to do a competition just to start filling up the blood drives. Because once we do that, we're like, it's a selfless action that we can point back to that's like, look, we are participating in our community. Like we're stepping up to meet a need. Nobody asked us to. And it's so necessary in every literally everywhere because a everywhere needs blood and also b there's still a stigma everywhere especially on the east coast so it's like yeah the it is a community thing we need something to bring people back together and i think after the pandemic we really failed each other during the pandemic and now it's like we can actually work together on a common cause and that is saving our community's lives because when we run out of blood people will die unnecessarily and we just went through that with the pandemic so it's like let's get on this you know i think we all have to i think we all have to do more too to let them know that um many patients wouldn't have gotten progress in their treatment if they didn't get donated medication from people like myself or from farmer tom um the the cost of rso i don't care where what state you live in it's too much for the average person who has lost all their means of making an income because of illness um so many times in many many states across the country it's donated especially to serious cases like when i had you know stage three cancer so i mean we have a lack of sharing to the world what our community has done 
and yeah. to get to plant here and why we deserve a, a seat at the table. And I think that we can all do a better job of articulating that and having each other's back. Like I, I would love Tom to be able to hook up with the CCC and, and figure out a way to have a, a productive, but a, um, a healthier work environment for employees in Massachusetts and in other states. There needs to be standards. I mean, but I, like I'm trying to say is the, the more we talk together like this and have forums like this that expose things or, um, you know, that we, we, we talk, we kick around together and maybe come up with solutions and reach out the way we used to. We used to pound the pavement, reach out to senators and state, you know, reps and, and talk to them about what's going on. We need to start letting them know, too, that we are absolutely disgusted with the corporate takeover of cannabis. There needs to be craft cannabis. None of us want this. We don't want the Walmart of cannabis. Do they even care? That's for sure. That's for sure. Like you said on my show, your infinite wisdom. You're not, you can't call yourself an advocate. Ad, ad, activists, if you haven't been to the state capitol and been pounded on your representatives' doors, you cannot call yourself that. Those are words that came out of your mouth on my show, and uh, th that's why you're one of lady. <laughs> yeah, I I feel like we also just got pounded with um, disinformation campaigns in a way we never have that has left the entire country skeptical uh not the entire country but a lot of people skeptical of local government and voting in the first place like we have a whole new freaking hill to go up which is like is anything even real anymore like people doubt reality and facts and it's so it's just so much harder i feel like everyone's carrying trauma a psychic trauma from the past few years that is now even more stuff we have to get through before we can even get our message out there because there's a lot of freaking healing that needs to happen in this country and nothing's getting easier for anybody. It just keeps getting crazier. And I think we're lacking compassion. And that was something that was very active in cannabis, in medical cannabis, in I mean, before Prop 64 in California, we had, it was the Compassionate Use Act. Like, and as soon as Prop 64 passed, they didn't allow free cannabis at all, which screwed all these patients. And this happens all the time in other states. And I think we're lacking compassion. And it's all of us that have the heart that still has the fire in us because we are stewards of compassion. And it just, it's hard because like, this is some capitalism stuff. Like they, it's, it's, and we, we, it's important too that, that we get talk to people about getting out to vote and, and, yeah. and changing things like not enough people. Mikey's doing a show on voting on Sunday, right? Mikey Sunday. Oh yeah. Sunday night. I got, you know, it's funny. You mentioned your state rep. I ran into my state rep to be, she, she won the primary. She's going to be the next state rep. And, I ran into her while I was walking my dog. Actually, it was a customer's dog. And she was walking her dog. And we had a long talk about Lorna. So, yeah, uh, Sunday night, we got a big show. Uh, it's our election special with Lauren Pespiza coming back to co-host. 
and myself. But and- it, like, it's important to get out the vote. It's important to change things. We can't just keep keep accepting them, whether it be from the way um, things are being, you know, lied about all over the country. We we need to call that out. We also have to call out the current um, cannabis uh, regu- regulations and in, in, in um, organizations that are taking over these um, states because. It, our voices are loud. We've been heard many times before on this topic. So we have to validate each other and, and get out there and say, things can get better. We need to change them. Um, we're not happy with the way cannabis has been rolled out and we don't need them like a Duncan on every corner and we don't need them to be bad quality. We don't need employees to be hurt. This is not what our vision was. And what can we do to start helping you format a better and um, more acceptable to the, the the people who pioneered it. Like, you know, we all thought there was going to be some small mom and pop apothecaries on every corner with like Farmer Tom supplying the medicine. <laughs> you know, it, it's nothing like that. I mean, I know, rarely ever even stepped foot in. We have also we got billionaires. We've got like this wage difference that has grown to freaking insane levels over. I just think like even five years ago, we were in a different world. And I think everyone's kind of lost the shutters on their eyes. They might have had that this was a meritocracy or that working hard did get you somewhere. And I think it's kind of been smashed to hell. And everyone's like, what? Like, what's the point? And I agree, voting, especially local, it you cannot even speak if you don't vote locally because yeah. that's the only time we, we can make an vote. impact. We gotta vote. You we know? Vote. Um, but like, yeah, voting is incredibly important. But I it I just feel like we're in a, a brand new world where maybe we need to refigure some stuff to like impact the new society that we're facing because we're like getting shocked on the daily by the news and so you have to uh come above that to to remain relevant you have to stay above that and that's hard that's a lot and so working together is absolutely essential i agree we got to go back to 2010 when citizens united the supreme court ruling allowed endless amounts of money to pour into our representatives amen state everywhere we got to take the money out of it um you know it's really destroyed our country um it's all to the highest bidder so just say they're the owners of coca-cola they don't just give the money to the blue side they give it to the red too they give it to both sides and whoever side they've given it to they've got in their pocket when when they try to convince us that uh that everybody that corporations were people and that money was speech so only the, the richest of the rich are heard of kind of wiped everything up. We really need to like circle back, get the Supreme Court to change their mind and say, look, this system isn't working for us. But it may Supreme be working Court. for the billionaires. It must be working for the billionaires and the millionaires, but it ain't working for us. It ain't working for the common people. So many things aren't working for the common people. And through money, they can, you know, take, 
treat employees any way they want. And we're seeing it right now in the cannabis That's what industry. I'm worried about in the cannabis. It's That's like, why I'm like whistleblow, dude. Let's yeah. take them from the inside because exactly. the only way they're going to learn is if you crush right. them financially. And I swear to God, it's a freaking like the goal. Media. Quote me to this like right now. Like I will take an MSO down with like their that. egregiousness by empowering their employees because I think they're it, so yeah. freaking stupid uh, let's do that truly. they don't hide it at all. I want to so. see Truly get taken down. I mean, they're they're ripe. They've. I mean, every day we find new shit about them. Like it's just so it's much stuff. Not even is coming just that. Out. It's all these become. There's no way you can be on top of safety if you never got it established in your first location. Let alone thirty businesses later. And right. I'm also gonna like throw a little nod to Milton Friedman, basically changing capitalism to be all about getting money for your profit holders. Like all your shareholders, like any company that goes publicly within the first year or two, to me, that's a scam because they didn't even build up a company with a foundation that was worthy to go public. They didn't have any like sort of customer base or product base or success. That is a financial tool to take advantage of people. And it always happens this way where they just keep buying and then they have like it's so pump pump and dump, get rich. Yeah, man, it's so obvious thing over and over again. I, I got to say, this is going to be controversial, but I worry sometimes that it's the cannabis consumption in the cannabis industry that works against us sometimes oh, because yeah. people forget, dude. They forget or they get apathetic. I've been, dude, when I dabbed, I was dabathetic. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can't. Yeah, I do. You know, and that's a problem because I want, when I quit, I'm a rage, dude. I'm like rage against the machine. I'll tear things up. Like. We need more anger. See, that's not necessarily like uh-huh. covers everybody because for me, it's oh, the opposite. I, I, I am a cancer survivor. I have multiple health conditions. So I, I am a hundred percent more focused and more amped. When I'm I like dab. a rec- yeah, I mean, I'm a, dab is my life force. It's, it's my medicine. It keeps me Medical limber. It keeps me. Different. Yeah, completely different. I'm a recreational user because when I've quit, I everything gets better in my life. So I don't think I have an endocannabinoid deficiency. I just need to chill out. So that's why I smoke. Like it's never been medical for me, but I, yeah, it is worth saying. I'm not talking about medical people. I'm talking about people like me who like to get high to like chill at the end of the day to like I, 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 I don't separate the two because around here most people have a, some sort of a medical issue but yeah. they also are a recreational consumer I am a recreational consumer my kids are in their 30s and our favorite thing to do is every holiday is a cannabis holiday um, you know Mike knows my son's yeah. a grower oh, so yeah. like yeah. we consume trust me we consume yeah. for fun I mean I, I go to events and, and that's affair. The highlight of it is getting high with my family. So I'm both. And I think the majority of people, I don't, I can't speak for other states. I mean, I've known them on the internet for 15 years, but um, personally from the people I know on the East coast, most of them are both. They are recreational and a, 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 medical they have some medical issue that I don't, they, I don't I mean, see them ever quitting. cannabis covers over a hundred different issues so it's very 
most it's most um, likely that everybody has a medical reason that they use cannabis to help them with from period cramps to anything. I mean, it also um, makes some people apathetic and that is a common thing that I run into. It's like people are hyped up when I talk to them and they forget it. And I'm like, dude, what? I you think, know? I think that you're right though. There's not enough that education sucks. as to people, people like uh, my, one of my, uh, my, um, my, my cousin's son was here, and he's a 22-year-old, uh, and I used the terminology um, strain lock, and he goes, oh, there's a word for it. And I said, of course. And he said, oh, wow, I didn't know there was a word for it. And I was like, yeah, I'm like, you use the same strain, you, you consume it too much, and then all of a sudden it has no effect on you. It's called strain lock. Um, I don't. I don't think we uh, the 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 community the businesses that profit off cannabis don't do enough using people like myself or Farmer Tom to help educate people to the fact that not everybody consumes the same way or the same manner or for the same reasons. Yeah, it's a multifaceted plant, because and you can use care. it as you medical and recreational, or as you said. There's times where you might need a break to cleanse yourself. It's all normal. It's individual. What the problem with all this corporation is they want to cookie cut everything. Yep. And to me, the plant is super individual. Versatile. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I, you know what yeah. else? Saw? It's versatile. It, it, it can be used. It's you to tell like, what's that word? You to you to. It's just, it's universal. It, it's, it's, yeah. Right now I'm doing teas. Tom knows that. I'm doing a can of ball tea every night uh, for my sleep, and I'm having phenomenal sleep. It's, I've been doing this for 15 years. I've been using cannabis in 100 different ways, but I've, I've never sat down and tried tea. And that enlightening to myself, learning all the time on ways that I can better my health by using or, or my calmness um, through all these much tumultuous times um it is is amazing to me that i'm still finding out ways that i can um better balance my my endocannabinoid system and tea has been helping me amazing results i sleep i i have bad hips and arthritis i don't toss and turn i drink my tea and i go to sleep and i'm it's lights out if i'd known this 10 years ago i would have been so happy <laughs> yeah. but we don't get that out to people as you know they go into these shops and they get bud tenders and they're like pushing whatever is you know overgrown too much or, or they have a surplus of or or what i mean some of them are good i'm not going to knock that all bud tenders are bad but uh, I'm just saying they don't have that wealth of knowledge that they they've been working with the in. plant like. Yeah, right. the companies don't invest in their employees because their employees, there's so many people that want to be a bud tender that it's literally like, all right, well, you're not working out. Like, and they are, that's how they're able to undercut people is because tons of people, there's always a supply of more people wanting to get into cannabis. And that's why I made my podcast to warn people. But I have learned that you got to get burned, dude. Like this is the kind of industry where there's no warning people, unfortunately. And it sucks because there's so many good people that burn out and I've burned out three times and I've never fully recovered from them. And I just want people to know that if you don't love the plant, if you don't recognize that you don't own the plant, the plant owns you essentially like a cat and like a cat human relationship where it's like, you know what, dude, we're cool, like willing captive type of thing. Like once you recognize that I am the plant's bitch, essentially, like then 
like your life will be so difficult in cannabis. Like that's why well, the money people I always get say we're the down. Sort. We are the sorts of the plant. It's I our obligation. Us, the benefits dude. that we've all, we, the benefits we've all gotten from cannabis, we are sorts of carrying on a torch of preserving its integrity. I mean, the plant long. has integrity. Yes. You don't, and, yeah. and like you said earlier, you don't have to make it infused in, in, in dissected as many ways as they do. Whole plant medicine is wonderful. Keep the plant together. I, I believe in that 100%. I think that uh, w- we can educate people as to the benefits of that. Yeah. It's, Thank yeah. you so much, Donna. Thanks for calling in. Yeah, nice meeting you. Tom, do you have any Yeah, you as well. Bye, Tom. Talk to you later. I love you. Yeah, I love you too, Donna. Take care. Thanks. Uh, yeah, there's, there's, there's a bunch more things that, you know, we're t- we talk about dust inhalation and, the, and you know, the, the things that it causes. You know, I, I've been around a lot of these large processing facilities, and there's a couple things that happen in these places. It's a combination of mold, which they refer to as farmer's lung, and, uh, and dust, which is biosinosis. And it's a combination of the dust and the mold that gets into these people's lungs and passageways that, that, that overwhelms them. So the, the need for proper PHC, first of all, you need a, a, a trained professional to get in there and do the testing of the area to see what the concentration levels are. And then from there, you can devise, you know, processes and add equipment to make it a safer working, uh, work environment. Um, there's, uh, it's been, it's been a, a shit show up to this point and we really, you know, BHO has its own set of, of issues too. You know, BHO causes these explosions, the BHO pools on the ground, a light switch goes on, boom, you know, that, you know, and then there's CO2 extraction. It has its own, own deal. And then they have CO2s in the grow rooms and in these greenhouses and any, any level of CO2 over 1,200 ppm like, is a huge problem and cause all these effects. You know, can, ozone, can we mention? Ozone, ozone mitigation, ozone airborne mitigation, another huge thing. LED grow lights. You know, I think uh, Nash is going to do an HAT on, on grow lights here, from what I hear. So we need to get them. So we, there really needs to be more eyes on this and we need more studies grow lights are you know led grow lights are such a big deal right now and everybody's using them to keep costs down but we need more studies on these types of things and we can't always depend on the federal government to do it these states need to spend some of the money they're making do the tests get the professionals out there make proper implementations of these different types of uh you know, SOPs that can actually, you know, make things better for everybody involved. And these big companies can avoid lawsuits, which like, they're, this, this Lorna girl, her family has a huge opportunity for a lawsuit. I haven't heard anything about it, but you know, that's where it hurts these companies and they get a bad reputation. And, you know, from there it's, it's downhill. And then when people go to buy the products, they go, well, I'm not buying that product. They don't take care of their employees. People have died at their facilities. It's a mess in there. It's a disaster. All they care about is profits. They really don't care about the customer and neither do they care about the workers. So we, you know, we really need to press, uh, you know, the yeah. CC 
and different states to, you know, step up the ball, take these billions of dollars that you're making, invest in in we education actually, and, and we're study. We're talking about all this, Tom, right? We, we have, an, we have a, a Cannabis Control Commission in Massachusetts. Our, our, just one of the comments from our listeners here said, not a virtual Zoom meeting, an actual physical investigation. <clears throat> right before Lorna passed away, there was another place that had a huge mold outbreak. We all know it. They brought in the professional company to do the testing that you're talking about. It was so bad the employees leaked that to the world. They leaked it to me. They leaked it to other people. We put it out there. Uh, the Cannabis Control Commission came in. The town uh, health board was really upset. They wanted to do an investigation. The Cannabis Control Commission said it was so dangerous to go in there that they weren't going to let their own investigators go in there. So they decided to do what they called a, a virtual mold investigation. Oh, my God. And, and then... They totally cleared the place, and we know there's still mold there. That's just, money. That's yeah, money I, corruption. I, yeah, right. Like about a few weeks ago, we heard from the employees that they finally chopped the plants down at that place. They're actually going to put a new roof in. They're actually doing something about it, which is actually kind of good. It seems like the company is more proactive than the Cannabis Control Commission. The Cannabis Control Commission did their virtual mold investigation and then cleared the company and shut down the investigation. I would just, I would just like to. How do we fix something like that? How do you fix something like that? BHO, right? That like extracting plant matter with BHO is done in the food industry. It's not freaking new, dude. Neither is using CO two as an extraction material method for other types of plant materials. Like there is no need to do investigations and stuff. Just go to the other industries that are using the same freaking things and like apply their regulations. Like this frustrates me because it's a freaking plant, dude. None of this is new. Like, yeah, we're just figuring it out. And it's so cool because like we didn't know terpenes, etc. blah, blah, blah. But like to get vanilla extract, they some of them have used B or BHO. Like we got our butane when we were doing extraction on my edible company from a food company that provided those gases. Like these are not new. None of it is new. So just freaking learn from what exists, dude. Like, but we don't because no one's motivated by safety. They're motivated by being cheap and having people die and bribing politicians and getting away with it. That's all they care about, dude. I follow the Amazon subreddits. People die there. Dude, some pregnant girl freaking killed herself at UPS um, because she got fired, like, because she got caught sleeping. And, you know, people die. I mean, an Amazon dude, he got mauled to death by two dogs just delivering packages. These corporations don't care. And it's no different in cannabis. And I think we have to start thinking, what can we do? Because they don't care. Like, they don't care. So what can we do? And I think the only thing is to use the law against them. And that's when it comes to whistleblowing. There's the False Claims Act. There's, oh, so many ways to apply those laws to how these companies are lying and hurting people. Um, and I think it's just a matter of education. And I'm more motivated than ever to figure that out and make some connections because, you know, anyone who knows their rights is a weapon like the cops you see the videos when people know their rights the cops go away dude like we have to enable people to know 
what this is like egregious and then what to do with it and then to provide them with resources because I think the only way we're going to make changes because dude, I guarantee after national legalization, we will have Amazon style exploitation and cannabis companies and it will be normal because it's like that in all the other companies. So what's the difference? Like it's us, we are the difference because we have heart, but like that doesn't matter, dude. Like That's what pisses me off. So we have to keep putting it on blast. That was the point of my podcast. It's like the Washington Post says, democracy dies in darkness. We are the light and we have to shine it on the dark stuff and address it because what stays in the dark does not get addressed. And it's a big old gloomy darkness in our industry. And it's just really unfortunate that the people who created it don't even have a place left, you know? Hey. Amen. You, Kristen. Tom, what yeah. do you got? Well, you know, you really got to hit them in the pocketbook. You know, we need to get have yep. had to get the news media to pick up these stories and start talking about it. You know, what's going on in these industries and and you know, call out these people, shun them in public. Shunning is one of the most effective tools out there to get things done. We need to shun these large multi-state operations shun them in a, in a way that they're humiliated and people know their names and when they're driving down the street they go oh i'm going to drive the extra mile and go to this other you know rec, rec store as opposed to going to the one who's mistreating its employees unsafe workplace uh poor product and if they don't care about that the product that we're getting is unhealthy for us so we really need to get out there and you know hit them in the pocketbook that's where it really counts it's all about money and uh, find the best ways to to make sure they're not making the profits that you know they've all forecasted in their business plans that they were going to be making. We need to hit them where it counts, hit them in the pocketbook. But like, let's not be under any illusion that when you mess with money, there are consequences. Like it is no small thing. Like I swear to God, I have a death wish. I don't even care, dude. I hate the hot weather. Like 10 years from now, I don't even think I'm going to want to be alive anyway. So I will take a company down. Like I don't care. But I, I think people recognize in America, like there are consequences to putting uh, powerful people's money into positions that they lose it. Like, and this is the cannabis industry. We still have borderline, if not fully blown sociopaths running these companies. And I think, like, I don't know, man, it's just, it's no small feat to make an impact. And I'm so sorry that Lorna had to die, but we, I mean, I think like we cannot let it go. We, I mean, this freaking woman's husband is like in prison for this company to be in where it is like it's just insane dude and knowing all of that all we can do is fight them and i think the way to beat the mso's is to home grow like grow your own dude if you're not buying theirs then that's it that's the only way i think that we can defeat this is to grow your own and share it with your homies and like don't support them with your money because i don't know about you guys but like i need weed so like i'll buy it if i don't have it myself so also teaching people to grow their own if they can even like indoors with led like if hopefully it's not dangerous or whatever but there is ways to win um it's just a freaking uphill battle dude you know for real uh we've been we've been fighting this uphill battle for the last 25 years i know From mad respect 
not for, from the from the beginning. You know, we've always been over making sure it was uh, totally affordable for our our patients the whole time, and uh, you know, it's we just got to take the profit out of it. We really need to change the Citizens United ruling, take the money out of politics. Once the money's out of politics, then the the country will, will get back to normal and and be running like a like it should be, like this free democracy that we preach to the world that we truly are. So let's show it. Let's not let the oligarchs and the ultra-rich run everything like they're doing right now. And they're gouging us on all levels from mass to food to everything. It's like they know something that we don't know, like the end of the world's going to come real quick. And we better get all the money we can before the whole thing freaking falls apart. I, you know, I don't know if that's is if it's that's what's going to happen, but that's how they're acting like it's going to happen. Let's just rape and pillage everything, get everything, hoard it all of ourselves, go bury ourselves in a cave in Montana somewhere and hide out until it's all over. So I don't know. <laughs> it's, I think that it's Money out of that. We need to take money out of politics. I think we take the money out of politics. We have a whole new world and a better world for everybody. But it's never going to happen because the Supreme Court is freaking. Oh my God. That's why dude. everyone's got to vote next week. Oh, it's so. Vote. Yeah, vote locally. But the you Supreme Court is week. screwed until some of them die. Let's be honest. Yeah, so yeah. instead of being able to like live in a good world that's not going to happen, what we need to do is. I think like, yo, let's take a nod from the French, bro. Cause you know what? When they get their lives screwed with, they take people hostage, like the CEO or whatever. And guess what? They have like great vacations and a pretty good life and they don't let the system overtake them. And I think for an armed country, I'm a little confused on what everyone has guns for. If it's not for like taking like your freedom back from your country. But like, I'm not saying we should have an armed civil war. I'm just saying, what'd you buy them for? But anyways, like what, what are we going to do? Y'all we're just going to get screwed. Like we're all so broke that why don't we just join forces and take down the oligarchs, like eat the rich. That's what I say. That's where I'm at, bro. Cause we're not going to win any other way. They gamed the system and we lost, we freaking lost dude. And now we're living through the death of our country. And so we gotta like play different games somehow. And I think the media is the most powerful because look at what the media did to us in the past like three years. It's it's crazy. Like this is a powerful tool. Um, we have to keep speaking loudly and combating everything else. I just find that it's hard, dude. It's tiring and it's hard. And we also have to take care of ourselves and it's hard to find a balance when there's so much wrong to fight. Yeah, you know? we can't. I mean, violence isn't really going to get you anywhere, but in jail, you know, yeah. and jail's really fucked up place to be. I was in jail. I mean, I'm not telling people I've to go everything. kill anyone. I've done, everything. I've done everything I can to stay out of jail. I'm, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, everyone, yeah, yeah, I'm leaving like this. You've you got to vote next need, Tuesday. We need to shut. We need to. We need to embarrass people. We need to shame them. We need to shun them. We need to do whatever we can. You know, your money is what talks. You know, don't go to the big multi-state operators. Go down the street. Support the the more local uh, dispensaries and and rec stores out there. It's all. You know, spend your money wisely. Uh, you know, go to your legislators. 
talk to your legislators. They listen to you. At least they listen to me. When I, when, I show, when I show up there, there I go to my town council meetings and my state representatives, and I sit in the front row and I ask them pointed questions, and they're all yes, yes, yes. And you know, we've got a you know through my connections, we've got a lot of uh, verbiage in these bills that really make a difference. You know, uh, so don't give up on yourself. And like you know, like Donna Hackett Hackett said in her, you know inner wisdom you know you're not a true advocate if you're not out there talking to the politicians if you're not at the right. state capitol if you're not writing letters if you're not getting your voice out and letting it hurt so yeah. donna definitely some words of wisdom we love you lady so keep up the good yeah. work out there in massachusetts you too mike you're doing a you're doing an awesome job by bringing on people like Kristen and myself and Donna and, you know, all these people to really bring the light and shine a light on this really bad problem. You know, I approached True Leaf. I got on the phone, talked to their customer service. I offered my services. I wrote uh, a few emails saying, hey, look, we can put a good look on your company. We can, we can make you look better and be better and be actually do good for the community, which cannabis was all about from the beginning. We were all about, we want to do good. We want to help people. We want to keep people out of jail. And, you know, we can do the same. I approached them. I haven't heard it's nothing from them. It's crickets. I didn't really expect to, but I just want to put it out there that I did approach them and I offered them a solution and I still haven't heard anything back. So, um, you know, you kind of got to go to the source and, and do things that, are conventional and you know make sure that they know that you're there and you you're we're willing to help them guide the way because we're the ones who did all the work getting it legalized i didn't see any of these multi-state operators or right. anybody had they didn't have nothing to do with legalization yeah. they had nothing to do with the votes they had nothing to do with medical cannabis they had nothing to do with nothing, nothing. we did all the work they came in and took took over like they said they were going to because money talks and they can influence politicians and we got to get money out of politics the first thing and then be conscious of where you spend your money and then write letters show up to your uh, council meeting show up to the state board meetings to these different things if you can carpool if you if you need to if you needs be and you're right we're a lot of us people people out here they don't they don't have money to to do a lot of traveling but there's things you can do right from your laptop computer and your cell phone you can write letters you can make calls you can get on call call into shows like this or other shows out there and let your voice be heard and sunday night we're gonna have some politicians on the show we're definitely having uh jenny armini uh state rep primary winner uh, in the, in my district, she it's an open seat. Looks like she's going to be the new state rep in my district. Also, um, state senator Diana DeZoglio has confirmed she'll be calling in. She's running for, she's also a primary winner, the Democratic primary winner for uh, state auditor. So at least two, I think Anthony Amore, the Republican too for auditor, might be calling in that night too. So, you know, you could, you could call in and talk to them on that night or maybe... If you know someone's running that you like locally, tell them to call into the show on Sunday night. Tell them to come to the cannabis show. That's how you can help. You know, you know, you know when uh, the locals are running. We we want to hear from them. Make sure that they're hearing from you. 
reach out to them. Where the yeah. other jerks learn from, One thing we learned from COVID is it all starts locally. You know, once all the supply chains were cut off and everything was cut off, all you could really, really depend on was your local community. So start locally. Um, Chris, Kristen, do you have a local show? And are you still in Los Angeles? Do you have a local show where people can call into and and voice their their concerns and their opinions and put these companies on blast? Do you? Yeah. Uh, I really yeah. admire the work that you're doing. Keep up the good work. You're doing an amazing <laughs> job out there. And uh, I follow you on Instagram, and yeah, you're 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 blowing it up out there. So keep up the awesome work. Yeah, I I decided to shift from the cannabis detector because it's just super depressing to me um, to creating the Cynical Stoner podcast, and I wanted to provide cannabis employees with a way to remain anonymous and speak about the issues that they're dealing with inside of their companies so that we can come up with some solutions to address them. And then like once a month, I'll have on an HR professional or a labor attorney or a union person to come up with ways to fix the um, the shit shows <laughs> that these companies are. Um, but I figured out the only way to keep it truly anonymous was to make it a write-in form so that there's no voice to hide because I can't afford to do post-production. So cynicalstoner.com slash podcast, if you're a cannabis employee and you would like to anonymously speak about what's going on because you know until someone's got a lawyer or something you can be sued by these companies so i know that it prevents many employees from speaking out because they're afraid to be identified and deal with the repercussions and so i try to make this as anonymous as possible and even to remove any identifying information possible so that no one gets hurt for talking about what it's like um so on there and then Bud for blood, if you're an eligible blood donor, um, find out and go donate now because Hurricane Ian has put the entire blood system into a very um, difficult place. And we will continue to have a blood shortage until a new generation steps up. So I'm hoping that that's us. And you can learn more at budforblood.com. Thank you so much, both of you, Kristen. Uh, I want to thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, uh, thanks for Stoner Podcast, budforblood.com. And I also want to thank Farmer Tom, farmertomorganics.com. Yes, sir. And uh, farmertom.com. And they can, I'm going to have my upcoming podcast here, uh, Farmer Tomcast Heroes of the Green coming up, where we're going to be talking to all of my heroes who have done so much work to create this industry and get it to where it is is right now. And if uh, anybody out there, CCC, any any big companies need some help with their workplace health and safety issues, I'm there. My phone number is on my my website, Farmer uh, Farmer Tom Organic. So just pick up the phone, give me a call. I always answer my phone and I answer emails. So thanks so much, Mike, for this platform and giving us the opportunity to speak our truths and to put some wisdom out there. I mean, uh, both Kristen and I have been in, in this industry for, you know, over decades and, um, thanks for, and yourself. So thanks yeah. for all the good work you're doing out there. And, uh, I'd like to come back on the show and, uh, talk about worker safety in 
the dispensaries. We've seen a lot of robberies out there, and I've got some solutions to talk about there. So I'd love to be back on your show and talk about unsafe working conditions, you know, especially that have to do with robberies and some solutions that could make it safer for them too. So uh, yeah. there, there, there you go. That's my plug. Thank you so much, both of you, for being on the show tonight. Yeah, keep up the good work. Yeah, Thank keep you. up the good work, Mike. We will. We definitely will. Thank you so much, Kristen. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. Take care. Have a great week. You too. We're the Young Jerks. My name is Mike Crawford. I just wanted to uh, just remind everyone, Sunday night, we have a big show. It's going to be Lauren Pespiza and I. Uh, we're going to have Jenny Armini, I believe, calling in. Uh, state primary winner for state rep in Massachusetts. They're going to ask her about Lorna. We're also going to have, uh, it looks like uh, Diana DiZoglio calling in, state senator. Maybe Anthony Amore. I don't know. We'll, we'll try to get some more politicians, too, to call in that night. But maybe you have a suggestion. Who, who should we be reaching out to? Let us know who you want to see on the show Sunday night. I also want to just make a uh, mention, you know, we're talking about a lot about education tonight. Cannabis dispensary workers. Kristen was talking about cannabis uh, whistleblowers and the way that she's going to do it, which is great on her show. Um, I, I just want to let people know that I don't think you really have to be that scared. Like, I know that there, there could always be that crazy dispensary owner dude who might come after you and sue you, but I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen it. I've called them out. You know, also there was a lot of fear about, you know, what they might do in this. I don't know if anyone's coming at anyone's house. I think they're coming to my house and I, I haven't seen them come to my house. Like, you know, I, I don't think you have to be scared. I really don't. I think you, you got to make them scared. I got a lot of uh, workers hitting me up, sending me info. But but usually, like, I'd say about half the time, it's almost a waste of my time because it, it will be hinting and telling emails back and forth and messages that they never actually call. They never actually share the information. Why are you wasting my time? That's the way I feel on a lot of this stuff. Like, if you're not going to be a whistleblower, don't contact me. Like, because I get a lot of that. I get a lot of uh, people who are acting like they're going to be a whistleblower, and then they, they, they chicken out. I get it, but I don't think you have to be afraid. I really don't. I know that some people say, You'd be worried about getting sued or blacklisted. You know, we've had people call in under anonymous names. No one's gotten blacklisted. You know, we've had employees that were employed at New England Treatment Access using their name at the time. They one of them got fired fired on the show. That that I mean that was that was risky. That did happen. People have taken those types of risks, and they knew it. And you know what? They did it for a reason. They did it to protect other employees. I think sometimes you have to stand up. I think you have to have courage. Don't be afraid. These people are wimps. Like, seriously. I think that's one of the things that I want to just drive home tonight. Employees, don't be afraid. You have all the power. It's just like voting. This whole thing about voting. 
We lose because we don't vote. If we don't vote, we're going to lose. The reason why they have the Supreme Court justices is because a lot of people stayed home. And a lot of these employees are staying home on this cause. They're chickening out. They were brave for a day or two. You got to stand up for yourself. I would let these mother effers get away with it. You shouldn't either. So that's my that's my final thought tonight. I just I just want to throw that down. Vote Tuesday's a big voting day. You got to get out there and vote, no matter where you are in this country. You got to vote. They're gonna take away your social security and your Medicare. They're gonna make uh, you know abortion illegal, illegal in fifty states if you don't vote. Sunday night, we'll be live. We'll be live doing an election special show Sunday night, 7 p.m. Again, you got to stand up for your industry. If you're in this cannabis industry, it's about two things. It's about education and standing the fuck up. Anything else, I don't want to hear about. And I don't want to hear about defending big cannabis from people who say they didn't know better in the media. Mike Crawford, Young Jerks, this shit's important. I, I've been fighting for this for friggin' 20 years, too. I know we've been talking to people tonight, who two of them who've been decades doing this stuff. Me, too. 20 years. We did it all. We educated, we informed, we won ballot initiatives. We've interviewed all these politicians. We educate the politicians. But sometimes it's really, like, at a certain point, the employees have to stand up for themselves. They got. They got to come out. Got to. You can't. You can't just let this industry like abuse you, and take it over and over again, and then complain on Reddit and anonymously and think that's going to change something. You have to actually come out on a show like this. You know, and you don't even have to use your name on the show. You just have to show us the documents. You got to have a little courage. I, I, I'm telling you right now. Like I know people want to do it like anonymously and this way and tell the stories. That's great. I'm sure it's going to work on her show, Kristen's. Because she has a lot of viewers. But the way we're doing it on this show, like, we do protect people. People are anonymous. But I find a lot of people are, like, afraid over nothing. Like, you, you need to, like, not be so afraid. That's my 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 thing on this. Like, you know, like, you think, like, the, the think about the children that when they first did union strikes back in the day. People, they, they murder people. But people stood up, and that's why we have a, a five-day work week. That's why we have 40-hour work weeks. Before people stood up, you have to be courageous. Like, I, I'm just saying, you know, I, I'm not afraid. I hope they come. If they come for me, it's going to be on video. And uh, it's going to be, like, I'm telling you, like, I'm not afraid. I hope they do come for me. I hope they do come for me. Mike Crawford, Young Jerks, talking bravado, I guess. But I, I hope, I want the workers to have that kind of bravado. I, I feel like if you do the right thing, like, the universe is going to be on your side. It is. The thing with us, like, the thing I'm always worried about is the, if these suckers are going to try to sue us. Like that That's the only thing I'm worried about. They come for us. That's why we have insurance. If you want to support the show and cover our insurance bill every month, but, you know, like, 
in the end, let them come for us. It'll be it'll be the worst thing that they ever do. Mike Crawford, Young Jerks, we will see you uh, next time. Sunday night, 7 p.m., election show. Talk to, to everyone then. I can't wait to, to uh, have Lauren Pespiz on the show, and I can't wait uh, to see which elected officials or people running for office call in. We'll see you on Sunday.